And now, Jabroni Studios, in association with Big Herm Productions, is proud to present to you, recording from an undisclosed location in Oakdale, Connecticut, it's Chris Burns, it's Chris Lynch, this is Dysfunction Junction. Welcome back, everybody, to the train ride from hell and the nonstop to nowhere. Look out the window. The signpost says, welcome to Dysfunction Junction. Fuck yeah. yeah. Welcome back once again. My name is Chris Burns, my co-host to my left. Chris Lynch. And producer extraordinaire, Big Herm. Hello, hello. We have one other guy in the studio. He's going to chime we in do. the whole time, but he's got his own special segment. I want to introduce you to the women's pet and the men's regret. He is too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey. He lives... Barbell plates and eats T-bone steaks. He is sweeter than a German chocolate cake. And for the right price, he'll take care of you when you're dead. It's Derek the Undertaker. How hey. you doing, bro? Hello. How Thanks, guys. Wow, the crowd goes wild. Woohoo! And our guest goes mild. Anyway, <laughs> so I got to ask you a question. Do you think we should pull our show from Spotify until Joe Rogan is taken off the air? Absolutely. I... I no. <laughs> <laughs> well, in case you've been living under a rock, or on, like Lynch, he had a lot of things going on. This he had tend to. He missed this story. Neil Young starts this campaign: take my music off of Spotify, or take Rogan off of Spotify. Well, Joe Rogan experience. He, well, he said, well, he said, take Joe Rogan, off or take of, my or, music or off, I'm, or, I'm t- or take <laughs> my music. But we don't want. Yeah. I don't want me where he is. Yeah, which is stupid. Here's a guy that went on the Freedom of Speech Tour just a few years ago. He's from the hippie generation. Free love and freedom of this and freedom of that. Now he's a crusty old man. And if you don't agree with him, he's going to scream at you to get off his fucking lawn. Apparently, he's not rocking in a free world anymore. No, absolutely. He's rocking in a leftist, woke, bullshit society. Uh, And not to to be undone, not to be outdone, here comes Joni Mitchell, who sold exactly 11 albums in the last 30 years. Uh, Who? Exactly. If you can name a Joni Mitchell song, we will send you a free T-shirt once we make them. You can't Google it. You just got to know that no, shit. Just, uh, pow! Which we can't know if they Google it. They're just going to email. See, Don't here's, the problem. Show here's the problem. At with, here's the problem with all the listeners out there. Any listener under thirty doesn't have a clue who the fuck Joni Mitchell is. Yep. Anybody from thirty to about sixty yep. knows who Joni Mitchell is, yep. but really could give a shit less. And the people that actually know Joni Mitchell. The 60-plus group, they have no clue what the fuck Spotify is. Exactly. And, and the whole point of this that he's saying is, that he, well, Joe Rogan's spreading misinformation about COVID-19, and he has guests on that go against, I hate this term, but the science. He had the guy who invented the fucking Moderna vaccine on his show, and the doctor is questioning the efficacy of the vaccine, and he has every right to do so. Why? Because he invented the motherfucker. But, oh, Joe Rogan's spreading misinformation. What kind of horseshit is that? Joe Rogan pulls in 11 million listeners per day when he runs a podcast. I guarantee that if you if you were to look up on any of your Google machines how many plays Neil Young and Joni Mitchell combined have had on Spotify on any given day, it won't reach 100,000. It's still less than Nickelback. Well, Nickelback threatened to put Here's out the a- threat. Nickelback's going to put more music on Spotify if you don't take Joe Rogan off. Right. And Yoko Ono's following suit. Oh, dear Lord. This is the dumbest thing ever. And Derek and I are fans of Matt Walsh and some of these conservative podcasters. And they're not spreading misinformation. They just say the things that progressives hate, which is truth. A man can't be a woman. You want to live your life that way? I say it all the time. God love you. Do your thing. But you physically can't be a woman. Sorry. (coughs) And a woman can't physically be a man. 
And if they really want to get on this patriarchy bullshit for every man who becomes a woman and then breaks a woman's sports record, come on now. Now they're taking more away from you, ladies. I agree. So, Lynch, now that you're all caught up, I know you're a big music guy like me. Yep. I know you've probably listened to your fair share of Neil Young, as have I. What do you think of all this? So, he, he was one of my big influences in music when I was, as, as I was growing up. Like, uh, the hell was it? The Steel Horse Tour? Mm-hmm. Where they did he did the quadruple live album was like an amazing rock album. Um, Rocky like a hurricane was the the big hit off of that. And I are you conflating Scorpions with Neil Young? Rocky like a hurricane. I mean, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, rocking into free world. Or if you're my cousin, it was keep on rocking it to Freebird. Keep on rocking it to Freebird. That makes sense. Bird, keep on rocking <laughs> to Freebird. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I had I had. Two different Jesus bands on the same. Christ. Well, I'm. <laughs> it would be an ultimate mashup, though. An that ultimate mashup. Be. But, you, you know, Rockin' in the Free World was a great song at the time. Yep. And he all, always said he would never sell out to uh, commercials. Yep. What did he do? 1989-ish, 1990-ish? Yeah. With the beer commercial? Yeah. This Bud's for you, or this, this one's what for a you? Michelob something or other. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? I don't he, think Derek was alive in 1989. We have to <laughs> yeah. double check it. I was not. Well, here we go. Get, I, I come sit under the learning tree, but, son. But most of his clients still. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in the next in a little, <laughs> little more than a few minutes later. Oh, my Lord. We have now pissed somebody off. Um, and we don't care. As much as I appreciate him as a musician, I don't agree with his politics, and I don't agree with his opinions, and he, he sways his opinion with whatever is popular at the moment, and to me, doesn't really have any true conviction. None well, of them do. Honestly, honest. Well, it, it, it's it's the influence of celebrity, the pop, the pop celebrity mentality, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with whatever the tidal wave is, wherever the tidal wave is taking me, and whatever whatever is convenient in the media. <clears throat> For him to say, I'm gonna pull my music unless you. Don't don't throw a gauntlet down like that. No, because you're gonna lose. You, you regardless of if, if Neil Young was the highest selling artist going right now, and he still pulled that shit, I say he would have lost. I, and I agree. I mean, look at look what happened with Metallica during the Napster thing. Mm-hmm. Good call. I mean, you know, Lars is up there on his pulpit, banging his hand on the on the on the podium. They pirated our music without asking. Well, you know what. Tickets are so much to go see you live in concert, mm-hmm. and not to the artist's fault, right? Because you got places like Ticketmaster and all Live these other, Nation, Live Nation, all that shit that charge a huge premium. The ticket fee, the air the ki- fee, the parking fee, the ass fee, the sweat fee for the convenience. Christ! By the time I'm done paying fees, my twenty dollars ticket's not one hundred forty bucks. So it's paying for a convenience of going to Strawberries back in the day, yeah, or Robert's Records back in the day. Ooh, I love that place. Or uh, Caruso music back in the day, or and even by- better, the back of J.C. Penney way back in the day. Oh, way, way, way back. in the back, way, <laughs> way back. And <clears throat> you know, you're paying for convenience. I understand that, and I, I, I really appreciated what Pearl Jam did a number of years ago, and said, "Don't buy your tickets through through them. Buy them from us. Yeah, they're twenty bucks a piece. Any seat. Yeah, and 
and this is what people don't realize is that most musicians make their music on the make their money on the road. Of course. The the albums they only see pennies on the dollar or dimes on the dollar mm-hmm. in gross sales. Most musicians see their their big nut at the end of a tour. Look at the bands we grew up with. Well, look look at the eighteen month tour that most of these metal bands right. back in the nineties, eighties, and nineties did. Oh, they toured for Christ, almost Metallica two years. was on road on the road for two straight years on the strength of the Black album. They took a month off and they went back out again. And. and they, because they knew their album sales were good, but they know that if I keep hold on, hold on just a second, Metallica is a band that started in 1981. <laughs> I know. Metallica. Okay, just checking. I, I know you're younger. I'm just trying to help you here, bro. No, I have a wide range of music. Depeche Mode and everything else. But but, mm. but they, they okay. Got you. Go ahead, Lynch. <laughs> they saw that even though their album sales were through the roof, they're not going to make their their nut that way. No, they're going to make their nut by performing live through their merch. Because they're all, every merch tent, uh, other than the parking lot guys. <laughs> My favorite. Ten dollar t shirt parking lot guy. I got you. I'll take three. Yeah. And <laughs> they know that they're gonna make their majority of their money for that fiscal year for them. There's yeah. that fiscal cycle through touring, through merchandise, and through sales at the concert. With the exception of Def Leppard, who had to take four years off because you just can't do shit when you don't have both your arms no, for a while. True. Look at the bands we grew up with, and the cycle was album, tour, album, tour, album, tour. Like, in a row. If they took time off, it was like four months. Let's rest. We just got off the road. Four months later, hey, Gene, you want to go in the studio? Yeah. All right. And you're back. And you're back. Well, you even look at, like, Poison. Well, the, the whole point of the tours wasn't technically money. The whole promote, point, promote the, the, the whole point of tours is to push the album sales yeah. because that's because uh, uh, truly there's a lot of money made at a concert. Mm-hmm. The musicians aren't the one who's making it for the amount of work they put out on their guarantee. It right, is right, right, but, yeah. versus sitting at home versus knowing that every time if the, and that was the whole thing, the twenty cents they got or the three bucks out of each record. <laughs> The 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 tour is what pushed. Oh, now I got to go buy the album. Now I have to hear the right. whole thing. But your album sales on a new record, and I'll just throw say because we just mentioned Nickelback. Fuck them. Nickelback puts out a new record. The the biggest spike in sales is in the first four months. You go on tour, people are gonna go. Oh, I don't have the new record. Let's go get the. I'll go buy the new record. But it, it's it's a trickle after that, and maybe somebody dies or it's in a movie, and now you get this influx of. That's something that doesn't happen with Neil Young and Joni fucking Mitchell. So what happens now, because of streaming services like iTunes, Spotify, everything else out there right now, at iTunes and all that shit, there's no such thing as a record, uh, like a record crushing, a sales crushing record in albums. No. It's per single, from what I understand, per single per album. Mm-hmm. So they do their they make the, their money now through that down downloading and streaming. Yeah. And how how Apple Music makes money is kind of like baffling to me. It's a subscription. Like, well, it, I pay I $10 that. a month to get unlimited Apple that. Music. But let me throw another uh little nut in that. We're going to bring this back basket. around at some point, but I I like where you're going. Let me throw another nut in this basket. I was watching Netflix last night. Uh-huh. My wife and I got hooked on this show. What uh, show? In from the cold. Okay. Really good show. If you like kind of like espionage, sci-fi kind of thing, it's really, really good. It kind of actually kind of blew me away how good it was. But I'm sitting there thinking to myself, after we watch a show, Megan went to bed and I'm watching watching another uh, show, 
How the how how can Netflix afford to produce these movies that are Hollywood quality? Number one. Oh, they are. Outside of the movies they buy as distributors, because some some movies are made to be released to theaters. Everybody else passes. Netflix scoops them up. That's what happened with Cobra. That's what happened with Cobra Kai. Pays them up. Pays them the the, the distribution. distribution Easy for you to say. And they (laughs) they they have no ads. It's not like YouTube where if you put it you you or Peacock or or Hulu right. it, it, the streaming service has completely changed entertainment as a whole. Not just music, but movies, everything, television. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to sit down and watch with commercials, SNL, Jimmy Fallon, um, whatever you can watch on ABC nowadays, when the day later on Hulu or YouTube YouTube television or a Tubi TV, I can watch it uninterrupted without commercials. And DVR it at the same time. Right. So I can watch it multiple times before I lose my DVR uh, privilege on that. Okay. It's just like, where is this money funneling in from? And how? And I get it. it, it it's all in exclusive deals and making deals behind mahogany doors and all mm-hmm. that bullshit. Music is its own little beast because I can buy... Three cuts out of an album at a buck ninety nine a piece. So you're at two, four, six bucks plus tax, plus any other service fee they charge you. Mm-hmm. You're almost paying for the entire album at that point, yeah. just for three songs. I always say buy the record and, and weed out what you don't like. Whereas if you buy a an iTunes album for thirteen ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine, yeah, you get the whole album. <clears throat> you may get ten out of twelve cuts, or it might be seven turds. That you don't like, but it's the freedom of choice to, to we, like you said, weed out what you don't like, yeah. and trash that and keep the rest. I can tell you why it's it's be, it's the, it's the iPod generation, sir. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason that every time I get a wedding client, they think that their personal playlist is the best fucking playlist on the planet and that everybody on the planet at the wedding is going to dance to the bullshit that they listen to because the iPod has created the ultra-tailored music experience Mm -hmm. and everything else is followed. You and I bought an album. Why did we buy an album? We bought an album for one fucking song. It got your attention. And then you learn the and other we had to, 11. We had to buy the whole album. They don't have to buy the whole album now. The only song they care about are the three on the album that they like. So they only purchased those three. Mm-hmm. Somebody else who likes those songs that, 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 that Stephanie didn't like, well, they're buying the three that they liked. Right. So what you've got now is everybody thinks that their personal selections are the best. Well, it's like an a la carte society. It's like fast food. We're we, we're a fast food nation, whether it be entertainment, TV, music, movies. I want what I want when I want it. Yeah, when it's, it's fast food generation. Me, when it's convenient for me. And you know what? I, I'm, I'll, I'm not going to say I wasn't didn't dabble in Napster and all those other bullshit things back in the day. Did Lars take your name to Washington? No. Okay. I really didn't give a fuck. They're pirating our music without asking. 
And I understand the, the, the theory behind why they got upset about it. I tr- trust me, I get that because the, they, they're in business. They're a business. Yeah. Whether you're, whether you're a, a comedian or an actor or a mu- or band or a musician, you are a business entity and you're in business to stay in business. And taking that money out of their pocket, I can understand why they got upset. I'm, I'm going to bring this back around. But if, in a second. if Napster never happened, iTunes never would have happened. You're absolutely correct. iTunes never would have happened. It's giving the consumer the freedom of choice to, to take what they want when they want it and enjoy it when they want it. All right, quick question around the table, starting with Derek. And it's just, it's this quick right off the top of your head. Who's the biggest artist right now? Like the most popular, most famous, in your opinion? Don't all scream for some reason, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, okay. Uh, right now, I notice Billie Eilish is really high on the oh, charts. Okay, cool. Herm? Uh, I don't know as if I can pick one. Um, Just throw anyone that's. that's uh, Kendrick Lamar is pretty big right okay. now. Okay. If he's, any he's, of them. He's been big every, every album. If any releases. of them had thrown down that gauntlet to Spotify, to, you know, if, hey, I'm Taylor Swift and I don't like Joe Rogan, you can have Taylor Swift or you can have Joe Rogan, then there might have been a question. Oh, I think if Taylor Swift had 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 done that, you would have had a completely different change. Of course. Your, because your audience, first of all, would have known that her audience would have known about it. Exactly. And it would be relevant to the people that use the service. Correct. Spotify could give a shit less about Grandpa Jones, not have who doesn't have a fucking iPod, who listens to the AM radio. They could give a shit less. Right. Him. They're still listening to Personality Radio, W-I-C-H, Norwich. Well, welcome to NPR. Where you see what you like and you like, like what, what you, you see. see at Gorin's Furniture. 49 New London Turnpike, <laughs> Norwich Town. Norwich Town. <laughs> but seriously, again, for the 11 people that listen to Neil Young on Spotify, look, I can bring up my phone now. I have exactly two Neil Young songs in the thousands of downloaded music <clears throat> legally. I didn't Napster it, but through through the um, Apple Apple Music or whatever the fuck they call it now, iTunes or what have you, I don't have any Joni Mitchell. And I guarantee that Derek sees more of their crowd than we ever do. We'll get to that in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. But this was the dumbest move either one of them could have made. And it's all about one thing, being relevant and swaying with the tide. Right. Chances are, unless Neil Young died, you weren't going to see Neil Young's name in the paper. Unless Joni Mitchell murdered her family, you weren't going to see Joni Mitchell's name on any news website. But the minute they tried to pull this shit because we don't like what he says and we want him... Why is it that so-called progressives who want to make the world a better place, the minute they don't like something you say, they want to destroy you? True. I mean, it, 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 it's a horrible thing to, to think about. Right. You're conservative, Jones. What do you think about this? Yes, you with the head. Jones? Everybody's Jones. Get on with it. Oh. You're, you're younger. We've established that. Your generation came up, CDs, and then the iPod, and all this. We, we've all... We had eight tracks, for fuck's sake. And vinyl records, which Lynch still has a I butt ton of vinyl records over there. Over there. But you've always had music when you want it. Mm-hmm. Okay. At any point, it's going to be a two-part question. At any point before all of this started, did you have any inkling of who Joni Mitchell and Neil Young were? I did know who Neil Young is. 
and I highly dislike him, and I can't name one Joni Mitchell song. I don't think Joni Mitchell can name. I was just going to say, I don't think Joni Mitchell can name one of her own songs. She might give you a good gravy recipe. I don't know. Uh, the second part, again, conservative. You listen to all the shows like I do, the Matt Walshes and mm-hmm. the Jewish Beavis, and mm-hmm. you know Michael Knowles. I, I almost got Lynch. He almost spit out his gimmick. B e a beautiful. Am I lying when I say if the left doesn't like what you have to say, they're going to try to destroy you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's bullshit, really. Basically. Well, I don't know as if you. I don't know as if you can say the left. I think you can say that there are extreme elements in the left. All right, I'll buy it. Okay. I should have. I should have been more eloquent. Because, no, and, and, no, no, no. It wasn't to. It wasn't to point it. Oh out. no, I got just, you. Just so to, to be specific, there are there are reds and blues that are kind of purpley. We're kind of <laughs> in the middle, so we're kind of a purple color. We're not really. Yeah. The, mm. But and but I, I again, you've got you've got you know, Neil Young has always been extremely super far left. Mm-hmm. Um. You've While got, espousing freedom and liberty at the same time, I think it's all a show, right? I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I get, I get the the generation he comes from and that back then, but and, and and all of that, you know, hippie world peace, peace, love, and motor grease. But that's it's just not the way it is, and and now he just comes off as just an old cranky man. He's screaming at you to get off the fucking lawn. He's pretty much. He's those kids are on my lawn again, and it, that's really all it comes down that to. That goddamn Joe Rogan's on my lawn. Case, well, I don't even know if it's a case of him trying to stay relevant. I think it's a case of him trying to persuade somebody to think his way, and I don't. It it, it kind of backfired on him. I hope. And I pray, you know, he's made his money. He's, what, 140 years old. He's married to Daryl fucking Hannah. How did that happen? That is money. Not, that is a very odd couple. Money. <laughs> to me. It's like Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts. How the fuck did that happen? Yeah. That's like me ever getting married again. How the fuck did that happen? But at the end of the day, they got another They got another couple seconds tacked onto their 15 minutes of fame, and they did it the wrong way. Yeah. I can understand that. If you truly believe in liberty and you truly believe that everybody has a voice and everybody has an opinion, which was the whole hippie mantra back in the day, we want to be heard, let them be heard. Kind of like us. Heard, Herm? Heard. Heard. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer the age-old question. How did Derek the Undertaker become a mortician? We'll be right back. Today, we're going to answer the age-old question. How did our friend Derek become a mortician? As we sit here with our friend Derek the Undertaker. All right. When I first met you and I found out you were a mortician. Yes. I says, I don't want to know. I threw my hands up. You remember? like, I don't want to know. And then as I get to know you, I know you're a fucking awesome, cool guy. Thank you. And... I talked to the guys. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to ask the question, how in the world does someone become a mortician? We know you go to the school and you learn all the gimmicks, but mm-hmm. when we, you had a question from the hat a couple weeks ago, Lynch, what did you want to be when you grew up, which kind of led to this mm-hmm. topic? Oh, I wanted to be the starting center fielder for the Yankees. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be a race car driver. 
when take us back little Derek run around diaper on whatever whatever age it was when did you decide this is what I want to do I want to be a mortician I think it was around 15 I was 15 and my brother was working a summer job at a cemetery and then um, at that time my mother kind of was raising us on her own um, my stepdad left all that bullshit but um, when my brother went off to college I needed to step up as the man of the house so I'm like okay well maybe I could take over his job at the cemetery well fast forward 12 years went from gravedigger to undertaker um, I befriended a lot of different morticians over the years come to know them and interact with them at the cemetery when they come in and I was kind of interested in the business at that time and they kind of hired me uh, one funeral director in Willimannock when I was working in Willimannock Cemetery um, he saw I guess a lot of potential he thought he, he saw I was a good worker and all that so he offered um, me a part-time job on their removal team so basically when a director gets a call at night in the middle of the night they needed someone to go to the house and help them because it takes two to kind of lift so I did that and he's like well so around that time 16 17 years old I was kind of getting interested in the business a little bit and so he's like if you can stomach this then you can do anything. That's the question. Yes. You have to have like guts of iron. Yes. To do this fucking job. So he invited me. He's like, well, we're doing, he's like, the, the person you helped us uh, take out of the house last night, we're going to embalm them tonight. So why don't you come over to the funeral home <laughs> and watch face. us? If you guys could see Herb's face. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we're having a couple beers, and uh, we're going to shove a hose inside this guy's body and put this formaldehyde in. Like, you want to come hang right. out, See, bro? See, when you say to me, I'm going to crack a cold one, I know what you mean. When he when says he says he's going to crack a cold shit. one, yeah, I'm like, you, you don't have to tell me this story, please. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. It's funny you say that. Oh, um, Jesus. My wife got me uh, this clock for Christmas, and inside the clock it says, Party like a mortician. Grab a cold one. Nice. <laughs> Your wife is awesome, by the oh, way. Oh, she is. Hello, Sarah, wherever you are. She's actually our funeral home hairdresser. Oh, wow. She's a, she's, she, so it's a, it's a kind of a family affair. I do the embalming, and she does the hair. They turn out great. You need to hire your four beautiful children to pull a uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. at all these. They don't even have to know the person. Just stand and salute as the casket comes by. <laughs> does she do the hair, uh, hair and makeup or just the hair? Mainly the hair. Yeah. What are you, um, bucking for a job over here? Why, you're going to do makeup? <laughs> I look fabulous. Okay. I can make anybody look fabulous. Yo, the dead people never bitch no. about the way you do their hair or their makeup, bro. My eyeshadow's too blue. Shut up, Hilda. So's the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that mortician jokes could be funny? Here's purple as fucking Barney. Oh, I've been counting on it for two weeks. I know you have. <laughs> so why? All right, so you, you okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna wheel it back, mm -hmm. wheeling it back. You, 
you if you can stomach this job, you could be good at it. Mm-hmm. We'll skip ahead to Sarah and the hairdressing bit in a little while. Okay. So <laughs> at what point does that spark go off and say, I need to go to mortuary school? Well, that actually, because um, I was you know, working at uh, cemeteries for a little over a decade, and there was an opportunity for me to move up and basically just politics of the workplace. I was the youngest one by about 20 years, and I applied for a management position, like foreman position at one of our various cemeteries we oversaw. We had like 10 cemeteries, but it was split up between five and five, and one guy retired. So I'm like, okay, I want to apply for his job as the foreman of that crew and and run that and those, those five cemeteries. My boss basically told me, that the guys aren't going to listen to me because I'm too young. Okay. So I'm like, well, I toured mortuary schools back in the day, um, but it wasn't in the books at the time. Um, That was around the time, you know, I had to help, you know, my mom with the family and everything and just work my ass off, numerous jobs. And when my boss told me that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to re-explore um, mortuary school because I always had a fascination with funeral directors and, and I've become good friends with them and everything. And so my wife was pregnant actually, or we just had our third child at that time. So I'm like, well, I'm going to wait until the spring semester. Cause at this time it was winter. So if I were to enter it, I would have started in the winter but I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll push it off, push it off, push it off. And then my wife's like, no, just do it now. What are you waiting for? That's a good woman right there. She's like, I have help. We have help. You have siblings. I have my mother. I, she's like, why, why push it off? You're such a procrastinator. Just do it now. I'm like, oh, yes, ma'am. So I apply. You don't argue with the sweet baby wife. Uh, absolutely not. No. Don't nope. another shout out to you, Sarah. Or else I'll be sleeping in the barn. There you go. But um, so that's what I did. So I toured the school, applied, and they accepted me, and the rest is history. Okay, I have to ask, yes. just for sake of clarity, you hear kids all the time, I applied to Hofstra and Ohio State and Michigan and all these schools that have this, I don't know how you put this, this deluge of applicants. Mm-hmm. How hard, and I'm not picking on you here, but if you if you know the answer, please... How many people apply to these schools and how hard? I was just say, yeah. How big is the run on a mortuary school? Right. Are you fighting like three it's, other Asian guys or something? Or? It's not big at all, really. I didn't I think mean, so. Like because, everybody's accepted. So I was homeschooled in high school and okay. I had a homeschool quote unquote diploma. And Your mom made it for you. Basically. <laughs> so when I, Get out I showed that because I needed, you know, proof of a diploma of some type, the dean basically was like, Yeah, that's good enough. Because there's such a shortage of funeral directors. That's not what I want They're to hear. All, that's what do good. you want to hear? That, that, that's good that enough. I had to, like kill somebody. In You're the, the guy that's yeah. Kid, like we had to do like lot. like you had to go through an entire episode of American Gladiator just no, to no, get. No, no. What, yeah, you know? what I'm that's saying. What I'm saying is <laughs> when you obviously you do your job. I well, I've not seen your work because the only person that I knew that you worked on I didn't get to see because of their religious preference. Correct. But I know you do good work, but. 
when you apply to college, you expect, oh, wow, top of your class. Hmm, okay, well, you're fighting with, you know, 60 other applicants. Ah, you're good enough. That's not the guy I want cracking my ribs when I go. Well, there's not a big... So there were kind of in New England, there were... There was Mount Ida in Boston and Lincoln College in Southington, Connecticut. And both those schools closed. And those are the schools that offered mortuary science. So there was a small little private college, and the only thing it does is mortuary science. Okay. So it's just a private two-year college in Norwood, Massachusetts, that I would commute once a week to go to classes, and they only had maybe 100 students. So it wasn't super hard to get in, but the school was fucking killer I that was, was going to be that. my question like yeah. how hard is the curriculum like what I mean, like, it's, it's do a you very go, do you go through like a whole anatomy and physiology and all that other stuff yeah so um there are two sections because when i graduated i had to take the national board exam and one section is the sciences and one section is the arts so with the sciences you have anatomy you have chemistry you have um more chemistry because of all the chemicals you're dealing with and more anatomy. And then with the arts, you have like the boring shit that I hated. It was like uh, accounting, uh, merchandising. Uh, the, the, the sales and business yes, side of, yes. of, of because, doing it. Um, so with my school, it's just a two-year, but you can get a four-year degree in mortuary science. So the four-year degree... Um, the, the other two years, you're basically just focusing on the business side of things. Because, like, if you want to run basically a bachelor's degree in business for mortuary science. Right, so right. if you want to own your own. Sure. Own, but If you want to own your own or run your own. Exactly. Or exactly. your own practice. But say. really, if you really want to run your own, you don't really need the four-year degree. Um, it just gets if, you, if you're in the business long enough, yeah, it gets you ahead quicker, I it guess. It gets you a little bit more your sure. your feet more wet to to run that to run the from doing the more uh, the mortician stuff to mm -hmm. being a businessman to sell your practice. Right, right. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so um, the way my school worked, it was only ten week semesters, and we went year round every every se fall semester, winter, spring, and summer. Like okay. straight through. And <clears throat> it was like 10 weeks on, two weeks off, 10 weeks on, two weeks off. So basically you only have nine weeks of teaching and then the 10th week is the final exam for that class. So the, each class was probably three hours long and they just crammed that shit down your throat. Okay. And they made, they ingrained it in your mind to like the anatomy, like there were kids in my class who took the same course three times over because they kept failing and my my school's super like if you get a 74 that's failing oh you okay. have to get a 75 or above to pass wow. okay good because they they want to make it as because that's how the national board exam is set up so after you graduate you have to take the national board exam to actually get licensed and that's through the state. I had to go to Weathersfield to take that. And um, I took them back to back. And everyone kept telling me, don't take them back to back because that's too much information and too little time. Take one, take a week, recoup, take the other one. I'm like, fuck that. I want this. I'm going to do a back to back. 
So I did. And I remember in the building where it was, it was like a big office building, and down on the bottom floor was a bar. And so after I took the second exam, it flashed in the screen that I passed. So I'm like, oh, shit. Went downstairs, went to the bar. I'm like, give me a shot of tequila. My man. <laughs> took the shot. I'm like, thank you. I'm done. I left. Wow. At what point during the school did you actually get to do the practical side where you actually are physically in a room yeah, like with a body? At what point do you get to do labs? So my school is so small that we didn't really have labs at the school. Um, that's one thing I really disagreed with my school um, because towards the end of – because it's like level one, level two, and level three classes. So when you get to level three, it's like the, the hardest shit. But also they call it clinicals where you have to be employed at a funeral home. And then every embalming you do, you have to um, – you know, do a report and bring it back to the school. You, you've got to log it somehow. Yeah. So that's one thing I didn't like because I had to pay the school to work at my own funeral home and do work at my funeral home for my funeral home, but pay the school because that's technically a class. So I still had to pay out of pocket for me working, which was kind of bullshit. But I was already kind of working at the funeral home for like a couple years part time anyway. So I already I kind of had experience in the prep room and and working with other directors and learning how to do embalming. So I wasn't completely lost when I got to that point in time towards the end of my curriculum. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it's was kind of like a journeyman program where you you invest you buy your own tools, you buy your own shit. True. Kind of, yeah. you know, even though you've gone through the school, mm-hmm. you're doing your practicals, or you're doing your basically your physical, your, your yeah, like a, like a, or like an internship, internship, yeah, right. So with Connecticut, Connecticut has the shittiest um, laws, I guess, for directors because every other state that I can think of, especially in New England, because um, right now I'm currently in my apprenticeship, so you have to do one year apprenticeship after you graduate. Every other state. It's two years apprenticeship, but you can take that as you're in school, right? which is a two-year program. And so when you graduate, you're done with your apprenticeship, you're done with your school, boom, you're a licensed funeral director. Right now, I'm just a licensed apprentice because Connecticut says, no, 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 no. You have to do one-year apprenticeship after you graduate, after you take the state, the national boards, and then when you're done with your apprenticeship, then you take the state boards to get your license now hmm. once you get accredited in that can you so i don't know what what funeral home you work for right now but if you, you after your apprenticeship and you get you know blessed by the pope to, to, be, <laughs> to be an actual dominus ominous <laughs> dominus ominous you're a dentist can you go from let's say from connecticut to master rhode island is it interstate so um Yes and no. So with the the national, when you take the national boards, you can take that, and that's good for every state. But if if you go to a certain states, you have to take their state boards. All right. So if I if I get passed my nationals, I'm accredited in Connecticut. Yep. I still have to apply for the Massachusetts state board. accreditation. Yep. Okay, that makes sense because every state has their different. Um, right, juris- uh, not jurisdiction, but they have their certain qualifications as to what you need to do to perform. 
Right, because like most states require you to take the national boards and then the state board. But in Massachusetts, if you stay in Massachusetts, you could just take their state boards and you don't have to take the national boards because the state boards are, are more or less like a dozen questions about their particular state laws right. on how funeral directors. No, in the in the nationals is more. Oh, that's widespread, fucking big, brutal, broad. Yes, I can understand that. Yeah. It's like <clears throat> applying for a local. Uh, Connecticut State Police job versus applying for the FBI. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you you you're going to learn the Connecticut State procedure and protocol, mm-hmm. but then you want to step up and move interstate. You got to learn every state. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you don't mind me asking, if you can tell me wh- where exactly do you work right now? Um. So I work for um a corporate funeral home, which oh is based out of Houston, Texas, but they. It's a, a big outfit that kind of just buys up these mom and pops who aren't going to pass it down because their kids, they don't have kids or their kids don't want to be in the business. So they they sell and they kind of just scoop up funeral homes. So I'm part of a big corporate outfit. So I kind of work out of Norwich. We have two funeral homes in Norwich and one in Montville. Okay. But also we have affiliates along the shoreline, uh, Old Saybrook, Madison, um, Westbrook, Clinton, New Britain, so they're all kind of like we all kind of kind of spread help each the, other out, kind of spread throughout the shoreline and some interior yeah. stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, my main <clears throat> focus is on um, the two in Norwich and one in Montville. But like just the other night, I got a call at three a.m. from a funeral home in New Britain saying, "Hey, does someone pass in a nursing home in Danielson? You're closer. Can you make that removal for me?" So I'm like, "Absolutely." So I just bring them back to Norwich, and then the people from New Britain would come and bring them back to New Britain, type of deal. So, kind of explain to me what what the like what the removal process is. Do you like do you have to inventory everything on the person at the time of expiration, um, like medications they were taking, all that other stuff, any backgrounds and stuff like that? I'm nope. asking broad que- I'm asking a broad question sure, just for sure. the people that don't oh, understand. Um, no, I mean if. If they're in like a nursing home or a hospital or on hospice care, they're, I hate to say it, like they, they, they're basically at the end of life anyway. So Correct. they're the death Correct. certificate and the doctors already know. And so they basically, the family, they call the family, notify them of the passing of their loved one. And then <clears throat> they say, now you have to notify a funeral home. So then they say, oh, I want this one in Norwich. So then the nursing home or the hospital or the family will contact me directly or contact the funeral home, which we have an answering service. So at three o'clock in the morning, the answering service will call me and say, someone passed at so-and-so nursing home in Plainfield. You need to go out and they want you for the funeral home. That would creep me out. I'm just, I, I'm throwing it out there. I'd be creeped out as shit. No, that's how it was when I worked at the at the at the um, at the rehabilitation center. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much how it was. When somebody passed, you get word around the ward to the employees. We'd, we'd all catch it. Yeah. Um, and we just wait for the caravan to show up. No, I get that. Part. You know what I mean? And like they and, and like it was amazing. Well, they were good at the at the at the the residency there about clearing the halls from between the room to wherever people are in their halls kind of quiet um but basically and not to be disrespectful 
Um, they come in, slap them on a gurney, put a sheet over them, and zip them out the back door. Right, like you're like you're trying to do a bank heist. But it's not yeah. like you know. Look, <laughs> and, and the reason I say it would creep me out is because you know, it's not like you're hauling a rug out. This is a human. What well, was a human being? That would creep me out. You have to again. I'm going back to guts of steel. Well, it's kind of like uh, to me. It's like disassociating disassociating yourself with. Emotionally, you understand that this is a person you're removing, but you have no personal attachment to this person. And another thing, like, I mean, yeah, I've been in the death business for over 12 years with cemetery or funeral home, but I'm also, uh, I view myself as a very religious person, so that's another thing that kind of drew me to this. Like, I'm, I'm doing the family a service in their most vulnerable time. And that's the hardest part, is because um, yeah. my dad died back in 2014, and the funeral home we chose was Biles down in Groton. Okay, yep, yep. Uh, they, they've had did, done my grandfather's and my grandmother's mm-hmm. service, and they, they were nothing but ultra-professional. Yes. And very, very blunt and very just like, you know, this is what, this is what we're going to do. My dad chose to be cremated, which is a question I have for you later. Okay. But, um, and they were just, they were, they act, I don't want to say acted, but they, they showed their emotional investment in this because they, again, like you said, the religious aspect of this, Yep. they saw this as they're doing a service for this person under the eyes of God. Yeah. And this is the, the, you know, based upon whatever religious belief you have, whether you're uh, Catholic, Christian, Jewish, what have you, they would follow the particular parameters mm-hmm. in handling the body and what they should do with the body. Correct. And and that that to me, you're doing a very, you're doing a, I, you are uh, uh, under the pandemic, you are an essential service. That's one thing I was always pissed about when they kept saying heroes, frontline workers. I'm like, don't forget about us. Yeah, right. Please don't forget about because, us. Because look at the <laughs> look at the people who expired in a, in a hospital or or at home due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Who the hell else is going to take this body, put it in the back of a car, bring it to the funeral home, and have and have the embalming done? See, oh, I was yeah. go, I was going I mean, your route. I was, with, I was yeah. with him on the first two. Right, and I'm all out of lie. So you gotta chop. You gotta dig the hole yourself. <laughs> yeah, here's a shovel. <laughs> fuck you. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Here's a shovel. Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro are on their way right now in the Cadillac. <laughs> they're, well, build, I, they're building condos. I think the trick with that is that, uh, uh, and I could be wrong, but you have to remember that when he, by the time he shows up, <coughs> as far as I'm concerned, all right, and this is just me talking, by the time I show up to somebody's home, a hospital, a facility somewhere. By the time I show up, what made that person a person isn't is gone. Exactly. Exactly. And literally what you're dealing with now is is in, in the what, shell. Right, yeah. right, right. The you're, remains. You're, you're you're dealing with um, and I'm going to say it just cuz I'm crude. There's a lump of meat on a tray. Now, the respect that's involved goes, I think, would go to the client. The client being the living family that wants their loved one treated, remembered, and handled in a professional manner. I think that if, if I was in your shoes, I think the key would be to focus on the living. 
and not the expired. And that's what, that's because, what we say. Because like, that's, because that's let's be honest, a, a funeral, funeral service for the, is not for, for the, the dead person. Exactly. The dead person doesn't care what they do, how they treat you, if they stuff you in a pine box or a pillowcase and shove you in the ground. The funeral is literally for the people that are still alive. It's exactly. For them exactly. to have their mourning moments. You've so, just given me a new idea. We already have an agreement in place, you and I. Yes. And when I go, I get free cremation. <clears throat> I want a pillowcase. <laughs> no more, no more coffee can? That's Well, me. the coffee can's for Emma, but when I when you slide me in at 1,800 degrees, I want the pillowcase over How many degrees? Is it eighteen hundred? Thirty eight hundred? Yeah, it's between it's, it's, it's yeah, between it's, sixteen it's, and eighteen hundred. I, I was gonna say it's about two thousand degrees. Yeah. And the hardest part on a body, and I don't know this from personal experience per se. <laughs> uh and the biggest thing about getting rid of a body is the amount of moisture in it. Yeah. Uh the body has to cook for an extremely long time before it dries out enough to actually to burn. And no offense, I trust you with cooking, but when it comes to the meatloaf recipe, I'm going with him. Hurt. That's why um with cremation and not one of you caught that, you six I, silly I, bitches. I, I heard it. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, there are different times to... Um, like, my fat ass has to cook a long time. Yeah, so you'd be you first Give me burn. a week. You'd be a first burn. <laughs> and then Lynch, you'd be a second burn. Yeah. I'd probably be a third burn because they start off with the heavier ones because the ovens are just starting to warm up and it takes about three hours. Oh, and as they warm up, you slide in something smaller. And the, yeah, exactly. It's the same way when I cook. You start with the big roast and then exactly. you time in it. Like, the roast has to cook for six hours, <laughs> but the mac and cheese only has to cook for two. Correct. And the carrots only have to cook for an hour. So you time it all in and boom, Derek, it's all done Derek, at once. how long's the body been in there? About two hours. Put can the I, cord in. Can I throw my lunch in for five minutes? <laughs> Are you a large pizza or a small pizza? Hey, he's a medium. Put him in. <laughs> my man's a sheet pizza. <laughs> Yo, you ever get one of them big potty pizzas? That's me, <laughs> That's dog. That's right here in the fucking house. Uh, All right. So I'm sorry to kind of like bring that. You got to bring humor into this kind of situation. Absolutely. No, you, that's you're dealing what I with. Tell, so I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. No, I, you're absolutely I'm right. I'm leading so, into a point where I want you to talk. Um, I view, um, you know, being a mortician, it's not like. Any child says, I want to be a cop when I grow up. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an undertaker. I actually no, knew a kid in junior high school who said he wanted to be a mortician from the time he was 11, and he <laughs> went on to do it. Really? I think his family still runs homes around here. Uh, Brendan Cummings. And if he doesn't live around here, he's probably running a funeral home somewhere. His parents owned one in Norwich for years. Yeah, this Cummings Gagney. And, uh, oh, Gagney owns it now. Yeah, oh, Gagney, so there you go. yeah, it's just Gagney now. Yeah, well... Wasn't it Gagney Petrowski at some point? Same fa- they're, they're in Griswold. Gagney Petrowski is in Griswold. Cummings Gagney is in uh, Norwich. But uh, it's the, the one in Griswold is right off right by Tractor Supply. Though. Yep. Yep. Okay. Right down the road from my house there. That's, that's where I live around there. But um, no, I always view being an undertaker as more of a calling than a job because it, it takes a certain someone to do it. Um, sympathetic, empathetic, um, you know, emotional, but also you need to have a good sense of humor because well, you're just going to well, drive yourself to depression, to drinking. It's like you need to be a like a good You need foundation. to be well, well-rounded. Yes. And to be a funeral director, and I, that's why we suck with Biles for, we stick with Biles for our family services, mm-hmm. is because they, kn- they knew my family for years and years and years. The, yeah. They know the lynches. 
and that's through the community. And mm-hmm. they knew how to make my family feel comfortable with how they were handling my grandmother, my grandfather, my dad, how, how to handle that situation. And they knew those, they knew personal things about those people that would, that if my dad were alive, he would appreciate. Right. If my grandmother was alive, they'd appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it, it's all about making that emotional connection to the family and just making that, making it comfortable for them. Cause like Mike said, it's not about, not about the corpse. It's not about the person on, on in the casket. Yep. It's about the family and making the family comfortable. Correct. Um, in a very uncomfortable time. It's a very difficult situation. Correct. Uh, yep. I, I just lost my uncle last week um, due to pneumonia. He had he been on a banana peel for 11 years. It wasn't a surprise, but it was very sad. And my cousins decided to take uh, let him pass in Arizona. They, mm-hmm. they, my cousins all went out there to say goodbye, good goodbye to him, and they're going to bring him back here to be pre- preserved until a celebration of life in the spring. Okay. So you know it, it, it's, and I don't know what funeral home they chose, um, but he is back in Connecticut. He grew, he lived in Colchester for, for a number of years, so he's going to be honored here. Um, is there a situation where you see long-term storage of a cadaver until it's until it's either cremated or prepared for um, a live funeral? So, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, and this is just the chef in me, okay? <laughs> All right, and and look, and no, for real, well, let me get the knife out. For <laughs> real, this oh is, my lord, this is the chef in me. Thinking about what you're dealing with. You're dealing with your no disrespect, my friend. No, absolutely. You're dealing with a hunk of raw meat. How how long can that sucker hang out in the fridge before it turns bad and you gotta throw it out? Like, is for long term storage, wouldn't there have to be some preliminary sort of embalm process? So the, yeah, so with the embalming, if it is long-term, then you would up the index, they call it, or percentage of the formaldehyde. So that's when the chemistry comes into play. All right, so, all right. So, so you yeah. jack up the chemical ratios. Based yeah. upon the time. Yep, based upon the time. So we've had one where uh, when COVID first came out, um, we felt bad for a lot of families because the fu- no one was allowed in the funeral homes. At the cemeteries, you're only allowed a group of 10 people. So all the people who had pre-arrangements for receptions, for wake, for a funeral mass. They were all gone. Were no church, no funeral home, no reception. They got fucked, yeah, basically. Honestly, yeah. So, I, um, I agree. Um, one person, you know, they asked, let's give it a month. And see what we can do. So we embalmed this woman, um, you know, up the percentage, less water, more chemical in the tank. She was preserved, but it was more or less the external. So there was basically mold growing right, like, on her the, clothes, it, right, on her. The inside preserves, you've basically brined the meat. Yes. But the skin is still not treated. I'm ready to right. become a vegetarian. Every, this is bullshit. Is, Everything is wrapped in the skin that's bent right, so Correct. the skin must start to just get a little hokey. After and I'm sure there's a lot of creative. If anything, um, 
spongy. kind of turn into like not spongy, more raisin, because formaldehyde is a dehydrant. Right, as so, well as the refrigerator draws moisture out as yes, well. Yes. Yep. So uh, maybe a couple weeks tops before you start looking like a stick of soupy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, Derek. Yeah. How long's Tony been in the freezer? About two weeks. All right. All right. He's almost California raisin. <laughs> Great. Now I got heard it through the grapevine running through my head. Heard it through the grapevine. Motherfuckers. All right. Uh, another quick question. Yes. Unless Chris had one. No, I'm good. Um, I'm learning. What it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Junction Dysfunction Show at gmail.com. Why wasn't Chris talking so much? Well, this so, is why. So here's the reason I ask, I'm ask. i asking a lot of questions. I went to school originally to be a cop. <coughs> then I matriculated into forensic pathology. That's one trade I wanted to do before mortician was be a forensic scientist. I was so very I, intrigued in that. I, so. I got to witness several autopsies performed by Dr. Henry, Henry Lee. He spoke at my school, and I I have a signed textbook with his. He signed my he, textbook. He's awesome. That's he, the second guest we've had that referenced Henry Lee. Mm-hmm. How about that? So I've met the man. He's cool. He is. I learned I learned a lot from him just mm-hmm. through osmosis and going through the class classes and wa- watching the um, live autopsies. Yep. <clears throat> he would he he mentioned a couple weird things that he had encountered during his career. Um, what is like the most ridiculous or outlandish request that you've had from a family? Keep the dick. <laughs> in mm, pre- in a jar. Keep in the preserving dick. the body. Like, is there a, a, like uh, any particular case you can think of? Like, well, that's not going to happen. I think you got him on this one. Hmm. I was going to. I'm kind of new to thing, the game. Like, what's the what's the what's the weirdest? Thing that's a, you've they, experienced. Well, that's a, uh, leading into that. What, what's the weirdest thing you've experienced do, performing uh, in embalming or pr- preparation for embalming? smelling his fingers four hours later? <laughs> I'm not lying. That was a you, you remember that? That was a meme I posted. Yeah, yes. when you've done with an embalming and you can and still you smell, smell it on your fingers. fingers. <laughs> oh, smell of chemicals. God. <laughs> Fuck! It's like a potpourri of death. Oh my god. <laughs> Honey, can you get a candle? We've got. What's this candle? It's dead. Embalming <laughs> fluid and sage. <laughs> With a hint of lavender. Which, not to cut you off, if you ever get a chance to go to Derek's house, <laughs> dude's got some of the creepiest memorabilia ever. And one of the coolest things was these little mini urns. And I told him, oh, I said, Those are keepsakes. Yeah, yep. when I go, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The coffee, wait, wait, hold the, on, let me... the coffee can goes to Emma. But. But, we had a good idea. But, so when we have his celebration of life or reception or something, everyone gets a party favor of a little keepsake urn with a little bit of Chris in it. Yes, as a you party can favor. take it with you. As you leave, here you go. Here's some Chris. Here's some Chris. <laughs> you get a Chris. Who gets the you get a Chris. <laughs> you get a Burns. You get a Burns. You get a Burns. Derek's, Derek's the get... Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Are you going to die? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm please good. don't die. Okay, please not. don't die. <laughs> it's the one then week who's you going to remove me? You got a buddy. Give me your phone. <coughs> I need the unlock code and your bank card, please. Okay. No, but anyway, <laughs> be serious. Like, have you ever run into that or seen an experience of a cohort or coworker that has run into, like, a situation where, like, wow, wow, that, yeah, no, that can't happen? Um... 
there's one story that my uh, coworker. So I've only been a director, not even a year. Um, I've been in the business for about four years working at the funeral home. I haven't personally experienced anything super crazy, but there's one story that uh, a coworker of mine, he's been a director almost 40 years. Um, he had this one case where, unfortunately, I think it was a suicide, and, and this kid like shot his mouth, like gun gunshot to the head, and it took like half his jaw off. So he had to reconstruct his face and, and wax his lips and everything. And he told, you know, the, the family, don't touch him. There was a lot of reconstruction involved. Please don't don't touch him when you go up to the casket. Oh, boy. <laughs> the first thing the mother does. Kisses his cheeks. Okay. Give him a big old kiss on the lips. Oh. The chunk of wax came right off on her lips. Oh. He's like, guess what? Closed casket, wake. Oh. Okay, I'm, 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 okay. Mama, your... you got something on your lip. <laughs> Chris, is your butthole puckering right now? Oh, no, but that skin on my spine is, is doing its thing again. Yeah. When my granddad went, I had never been to an open casket funeral in 21 years of life. And then there's my granddad laying there in claymation. And I reached in, I touched his hand and, mm-hmm. and all of that mess. And I swear to God, every time I go to a fucking funeral, I see in an open casket, I see him breathing. I do. I sit there and you, you, you things in front of you. And we're all sitting in the little what, gallery. And what are you like, smoking, Chris? Uh, I wish I knew, but I swear that my mind will play a I trick on me. I want that. When I die, I want a little tiny pump to just pump it up. I got one better. <laughs> no, what about what about? Um, and I want a recording. I want a recording. What about? Walk by the casket. I want it to be my voice. What's up, man? Wait. <laughs> no, and as you walk by, because this is the one thing you hear at every funeral, and I'm going to make fun of it. As you walk by, I want you to hear, "Hey, Bob." Don't I look like myself? <laughs> I want, if I wasn't getting cremated, I want like a jack in the box type thing. I was going to say that. Yeah. So, so Derek does this. No, 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 no. Close casket. And the music, there's always like some nice classical music in the background. But if it's a closed casket, wake, people go. And then the music. And right at the end, bang, here comes Chris. Oh, my God. It's a uh, schmuck in a box. <laughs> oh my, yeah, pretty much. Okay, now I have to pee. Continue the death talk. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what the death talk is. This is definitely interesting. So, so I, have, I have a ton more questions. Sure, hit, it, me. hit me. Fuck your picks. <laughs> Fuck your picks. I'll try to answer. So, in a situation where uh, you're dealing with a, um, with a remains that may need, oops, oops, that may need, um examination by a uh, medical examiner? Yes. Do you do the primary preliminary embalming, or do you preserve the body until they can take it back to the ME's office? So You don't get the body until they've released it, right? Correct. So, um, yeah, so if with deaths that happen unexpectedly, the, the, the police and the medical examiner will be called first. And if they determine that the cause of death was normal Some sort of foul yes yeah. or not yeah not natural um then they will take the body back to farmington right it goes to a corner it goes directly to a, a directly the corner. to the corner. coroner's office yep. and they do an autopsy te- where technically it's it, the body at this point is is evidence 
Yes. Yep. So then they determine whether or not it was foul play or an overdose or suicide because um, a lot of the time when people, you know, they can determine whether this person died of a heart attack or something just by looking around the house and see if they have medication or something. They can determine, okay, this person was on heart medication. They were in their later 70s, 80s, something like that. This death was natural. So we're not going to take them back to Farmington. You can call the funeral home at that point. But when they're younger and it's unexpected, they almost always take them back to Farmington, perform an autopsy. Yeah, almost just as a precautionary level. Exactly. Just because the the child isn't, they're not, child's not supposed to die. Exactly. We want to make sure right off the rip before everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A 22 year old isn't just supposed to like collapse. Right. Right. Correct. Right. Uh, When I was going to the studio bathroom, I heard the outro music. Did Neil Young cancel us too? No, no. No. I hit hit a button. Okay. Stop hitting the button. Mike Mike hit his fat finger on the button. So that um, Buffalo fingers. And at that point, um, you know, we I had to go to farm. That's where I, that's why I was a little late today. Chris, right. Because around two thirty when it was <laughs> almost to, time to leave. Had to go get meat. Okay. Almost time to leave. <laughs> that I, I had to gotten, go to farm. I've gotten weird text messages over the years from all of my friends. I was today years old when I got the weirdest. Hey, I'm on my way. I had to go to Farmington to get a body. <laughs> You will never in your life, unless your name is Sarah, his wife, or me, get a text message like that ever in the history of your life. I guarantee fucking it. It's not like Jen's going to text you tomorrow and go, hey, hon, I'm going to be a little late getting home. I got to go get a body. Well, it's like um, Sarah's friend was just over um, the other day, and she's like, oh, where's Derek? Oh, he had to go get a body. And she's like, if I didn't know the line of work he was in, I would have been like, what the fuck? I'd be afraid. You're either a, mor- <laughs> you're either a mortician. Or the cleaner. Or a mobster. <laughs> no. he, he's Kuklinski with a better beard. You're, yeah. you're a Harvey Keitel on a point, no, a point of no return. There you <laughs> go. I need a bottle of bleach. I need a bottle of lye. I need this. I need this. And a fucking shovel. Um, Amen. But yeah, with autopsy cases, that is a long process for embalming. It's not your typical hour, hour and a half. It turns into about three hours. All right. right. So that leads me into my next question. So yes. you're typ- I got one when you're done. Your typical, on a typical day, you go to a nursing home, you, you exhume the body and take it back to your um, mortuary. Mm-hmm. Your lab. <laughs> your laboratory. <laughs> Dexter's <Mwah>. lab. <laughs> uh, Derek's, Derek's lab. Um <laughs> What processes do you go through to initiate the embalming process? Like, is there any pre- preliminary uh, examination of the internals? Walk- he wears a wig and puts on P-Funk. What oh, do you dude. think he's going to do? No, no, no. no. I, so, so. <laughs> Chris, this is a legit question. No, I got you. I just, again, humor. This is a legit question. You <laughs> sure. want it, you want it. There are people out there that don't understand how this process works. I understand. And they, they just think, oh, you know, they, they wave their magic wand over the body and it looks like it's still alive. Right, but now I have the picture of my in my head of him wearing a clown wig singing, we want the funk, gotta have <laughs> that funk, while he's holding a spleen in his fucking hand. No, they jam this big hollow fucking needle in your neck and pump it. 
Go on. Answer his question before. You're not far <laughs> off. I'm not far off, bro. You're not far off. Yeah. You're not far off. You know, it's basically the basic. Have you ever? You, it's basically the same thing as a piercing needle. It's cut and sharp on one end, but it's technically a tube. Um, actually, it's blunt on one end. Oh, even better! I get to shove it through flesh. Blunt. What do they care? They're <laughs> no. dead. No, hey, I'm, I'm Fred, not. I'm not talking me. about them. I'm talking about <laughs> right, my so personal I'll enjoyment. You, I'll give you two You're scenarios a of, of a normal case and then an autopsy case. So with a normal case, when you go to a nursing home or go to a house, you, for, you need verbal, at least verbal permission to perform embalming. You Hashtag can't take me too. You, you can't just do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've been violated. You have to explain that. So with with in my case, if I make a removal at three a.m. and I get back to the funeral home at three thirty, I'm embalming at three thirty because there is no better time to embalm than right after death. Meat's always best fresh, baby. Exactly. You can, because motherfucker, you you're making me. Go, you're, you want me to go vegan, don't you? Because <laughs> if I'll, you, yeah. Because chemical as soon as someone dies, that's when the chemical changes. Okay. Begin. Mm-hmm. Blood starts clotting. Gravity, the decomposition rig- begins like rigor almost- mortis. Yes, the cell structure in the and and uh, again cooking the cell the cell structure immediately starts to change. The fresher your meat, the easier it is to marinate it. It's my big why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking big why's off the list for now. I'm Jesus Christ. So basically, you, you want to embalm before rigor mortis sets in. Okay, because rigor mortis sets in about. Uh, hour or two after death. Okay. So now, what, okay. Dumb question. Yes. Before you get into this, have you ever encountered where, like, I'm trying to remember the guy's name I used to work with, passed away in his apartment, like on a random Tuesday? It was days plural before they found him. Okay. Now he's probably stiffer and shit at this point. Rigor mortis doesn't work that way. It doesn't stay forever. No, rigor mortis... That's why I'm asking the question. I'm kind of... Because you hear hear people talk about stuff like this, like, oh, he must have been stiffer than shit. Right, like if you showed up six hours after he died... And he was sitting in a chair. You'd have to lift him out of that chair. He'd be, as a solid he'd be Joe mask. Biden yeah. without. But if you got the ver- to his vo- house, vocabulary, but yes. if you got to the house like two days later, correct? Rigor mortis and already the chemical passes. changes has already passed. He's gone through that. The body is technically in a breakdown period. Yeah, and everything go and everything in the body goes. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um, but you can't embalm when they're in rigor. You just have to give the body a full body massage. Basically, you have to. I, do you I, see this? Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm closing my eyes and picturing this. Is there candles? <laughs> Is there a happy ending? Is I mean, like, do you use a special lotion? What the hell goes on? The hot on with rocks there? down the spine. Do we have like like mystical music playing in the background? Do you what get the, the do you get hell? the cucumber yeah. infused water at the end? I love that. Oh yeah, yeah. that's at the beginning. Okay, sorry. They That's put, what we wash them down with. Yeah, they play they play Yanni during the process. <laughs> Yanni. Yanni, it makes you want to die. Right? Or, right? or That's how we make sure they're oh, dead. See? We play Yanni, and if they move, there you go. I'm, give, I'm giving him a token right here because I'm going to be dead, and Derek's going to take care of me. It's going to be the one time someone can force me to listen to Nickelback, and I can't do a goddamn thing about it. And, why, and, why would I? Why would I succumb you to that? Oh no, I'm dead. What can uh, I do? I can't, uh, bitch. Depeche Mode, bitch. I like Depeche Amen. Mode. To an extent, not not the not way like he does. He, does. <laughs> he introduced himself the first time I met him as personal Jesus. So speaking of which, it leads to a question. I'm the sorry. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. That's okay. 
what you do, and you mentioned the re- religious aspect and the respect to the families. Yes. Have you met a director slash mortician that has a god complex, as if I I am doing this, I am doing you a favor instead of I am doing you a service? Because it seems like um, it's the kind of business where you could one one in a million <clears throat> have a god complex. And really? Oh, you yes. don't like me? Yes. Here, have your body back? Right. Exactly. Yes. All right. There is one. Don't say his name. I will not say his name. I will not say his funeral <coughs> because I'm not like that. But there was one. I don't understand how he stays in business, to be honest with you. Okay. When I was at the cemetery and I would be, he'd come to the cemetery with the family to buy a, a, a lot for a gravesite. Just the way he presented himself and talked to the family. It's amazing to me how he stays employed or still has his business running with the way he acts so yes i know one okay this ground right here is good ground you bury somebody here they stay dead for a long time i can cut you a great deal on this hole i you buy two get one free it's three hundred (laughs) dollars extra if you want to be by the cherry blossom tree because that's prime real estate people want to be there you can put the headstone here you can put the headstone there you can put it anywhere you want (laughs) not really all right, so going back to my yes, question. Yes, please. Yes. Lynch is getting the crazy train back on the tracks. Um, so the process, you you start the embalming process for formaldehyde and yeah, so, um, per, per percentage of water, depending on yeah. the, the pre- presentation. Of, you ever so, you, so when you, you go back to the funeral home, put them on the table, um, you kind of just do a quick analysis of the deceased is she he they don't even start <laughs> them them is, shut up chris is is uh, he or she really skinny do you need to do less formaldehyde more water or uh more humectant which retains you moisture? two should really talk or is like it a more than this bigger person like herm buddy i like you <laughs> but i'm glad you said that with you i'd put i've eaten sandwiches that are bigger than you buddy <laughs> i seen it i take a shit bigger than you bro for real i took a shit before i got here that was definitely twice as speaking big of as which you. you got you got you both got away clean because i had a mondo duke the other day you almost got a picture oh awesome Christ. if it wasn't 19 inches i'm not wearing a kevin harvick hat all right, so you determine your ratios. <laughs> yes. Whether they're skinny or heavy or uh, uh, or or, or I, I suppose it even comes down to not even that, but also like if you were to pull Arnold Schwarzenegger in, just the muscle mass alone, even without oh, good call. Without even the body fat, what, like wouldn't there? I mean, you've got to put more marinade in there, dude, to get the meat, right? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, like I couldn't pack. I couldn't pack Arnold with the same solution I packed. Lynch with right? Brian is Brian, man. Yeah, no, You're, yeah. I'm, I'm just same, curious. Yeah, same, same kind of principle not as, applies. N- not as, not as crazy as I think it is, but definitely a, a yeah, fluctuation. definitely a fluctuation. So yeah, definitely the bigger the person, thicker the person. You want to suck that moisture and and all that out, and you want to shoot them more with the formaldehyde, more with the preservatives. Right, you want less of their liquid in there and Correct. more of your liquid. Right, in there. because formaldehyde. Sucks the moisture out of the tissue and replaces it with that, which so in turn hardens the body. But also, they have chemicals that have like lanolin 
and different moisturizers for a very Softening like for, like you'd rub on leather. That's right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but for a very um like dehydrated, skinny little old lady, you wanna kinda give her moisture. So more water, less formaldehyde. Puff her up, stretch yeah. the wrinkles out, all that goodness. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you get them back. You're yep. on the table. Yep. You've done your check. You figured yep. out your ratios. How do we get into them? Well, first, you got to set the features because when you put the formaldehyde in, it, it's like a cauterizer. It, it keeps everything stiff. So they actually turn stiff. I make them stiff. Oh, so I can die and you can make my face freeze that way? Yes. I can uh, put a smile. Mom, 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 I hope you're hearing this. I'm going to die Herm. with that face on my on Herm. my face. I'm the last one to put a smile on your face. There you go, baby. Oh, my Lord. So you put the eye caps in to keep yep. the eyelids shut. Yep. Then... Then you can either do two of one things to can, keep the mouth can, shut. I, can I come watch you do this? So many people want to watch me. My I'll, wife hasn't even seen it I'll yet. I'll stand in the back. And yeah, but just... she does the hair and the makeup. <laughs> yeah, well, after the fact. Doesn't matter. Mm. She get... Never mind. I'm not going to say it. All right. So the I'm eyelids are set. It. You then, set your machine. Then, well, first. Oh, you then set your features. Set the features. Eyes, then mouth. So with the mouth, you can either sew the mouth shut or... It's basically like a, a miniature nail gun with little wires. So you do one tack in the top jaw on the gums, one in the bottom gums, and then you kind of twist high it shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So oh, then for the jaw. Stay. So the yeah. jaw comes so the together. Jaw, and, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you that's basically done. wire their jaw real quick. Correct. Then I continue to raise the vessels. So then I make a little incision right on like the collarbone. And then you look for the, the muscle, the biggest muscle in the neck, and then you kind of cut your way through that. And then right below the muscle lies the carotid artery yes. and, the, and the jugular vein. So the carotid artery... That's your is, in, right? The carotid is your in, in, and the jugular is your out. Is your out. So you make a little tiny cut on the carotid. You slide your cannula or your embalming tube in that. And then with the vein, you kind of just... Make a little incision again, stick some tweezers or something in there, and just let it open. So as the fluid goes in, it pushes there's the blood a, there, out. Right, there's a, you're pushing so the blood it's, out. It's a constant motion. So with the best best case scenario, you only have to raise that one. If they had a history of arteriosclerosis or blood clots or something then you'd have to probably raise a femoral artery. You'd probably have to raise an axillary artery in the arm. And then it turns into a whole whole thing. But Now, do you, during that process, do you do anything with the internals? That's after the fact. That's, okay. I'll get to that. That's my least favorite part. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I've had my finger in this guy's ass for a half hour. So you more or less... I, I always go rule of thumb, kind of the two gallons of fluid. You know, you, you put, it's like 16 ounce bottle of this, 16 ounce bottle of that. Different chemicals kind of help with blood clots, kind of help with the pH in the water because you want to balance that out because the blood pH level is 7.4. So you kind of want to match that. And if there's too much calcium or stuff in the water, it'll clot the blood. So you want right. to neutralize that. So that's where all the chemistry comes in from school. Do you use EDTA at all? Yes, that's in most of the chemicals. Yes. Yeah, very nice. Yes. Very nice. 
Mike knows scarily too much about what yeah, the fuck this, we're is, this about. is starting to become a little <laughs> weird here. Either you did some Google machine homework or no, no, you know none, far actually. too much about this I shit. I haven't Googled shit for any of this. Right. I've been waiting for this for two uh, weeks. All right. I figured you did. No. When we brought don't it up, forget, he would... um, Don't forget sodium lauryl sulfite. Yes. That's a, a surfactant. It yeah, breaks it, it basically it, it cleans it cleans the arteries and the system as he pumps his solution That's through. Right. So and it, it leaves can, a fresh, shiny coat. Yeah, basically what it and does is scours the inside of your, your, your bloodstream. <laughs> More Damn. or less. And so then any, the, who are you? So the, don't, the sodium lauryl sulfate kind of breaks the, the, like the shield on the tissues <laughs> and allows... Because formaldehyde is a gas. Correct. So that's when diffusion happens. And so you're putting it through the arteries, but it's leaching through the tissue to go to the outer skin. So I, that's why I put a lot of dye in the in the chemical, and you could see the body turn pink. Okay. So you know that it's getting good distribution throughout. Derek, there's too much pink on this one. Dial it back. Oh, crap. <laughs> you put too much in there. <laughs> well, any surcaftant is basically like a cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's like... They yeah, so it, when um, they put it in, in hand soaps, they put it in detergents, correct? Shampoo and all that, shampoo yeah. and all yep. that shit. Yep. It breaks down the the oils and the essentials. Yep, to allow the chemicals to push through and do their job. Right, and so like, but the other... prohibit them from doing more damage than they should. Correct? Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like when someone dies, you know. Gravity, the blood just sits there, and then it turns yeah, you get the, the pull, skin purple. You get pulling, and yeah. you get like flat spots on the body. Yep, yep. Um, so you get liver mortis, you get postmortem stain. So when the fluids go in, it kind of clears that up. It it pushes the purple out and turns it back to the nice peachy, lively color. So then, after that's all done, tie off your arteries. You sew them up, or you glue them. Because um, if, especially if women. People like to bring in these low-cut dresses. You don't want to see a big, you know, Jack Skeleton stitch going right, down right. the neck. You got to put a little bondo on there. Yeah, yeah. Buff yep. it out. Yeah. So yeah. Get the angle grinder. And then so right. angle grinder. So the, the <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So the embalming fluid, you right. know, it, 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 it goes through the arteries, it, it goes through the tissue, but then what happens with the internal organs? Those are still going to decompose because the formaldehyde didn't touch the organs because it's going through the circulatory system. So what you do with that is called aspiration, where you have like this two-foot hollow rod stuck to a hose, and you pierce them right above the belly button, and you suction the excess fluid out of the heart, then the stomach, then the lungs, then the bladder, and the intestines. Yeah, you basically vacuum their their insides, their bowels yes. out. Yes, everything. And suck it all out. So after that's done... I'm then... sorry I ever brought this up. That, well, I really... This was your idea. Well, I know it was. <laughs> Derek, tell him, because after you remove all that shit, there's a crater. Yeah, so your your, and, your and cavity it, becomes basically... It, yes, like, and you're... Kind, kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. Not depend, so much like, depend, it, like it doesn't implode. I was going to say, do you, do you ever have to like put some stuffing in somebody to you like fill make it with them look candy, right no, you beat it with a no, stick because so when you take the excess fluid and stuff out you're putting you're going to put fluid back in because then you have then you take your bottle of 50% formaldehyde which is 
and then you do not dilute that. That means it's a hundred proof, so kids. You, oh, because it's because you're you're pretty much hitting everything on the surface. You're not actually pumping it into anything. Yeah. So, so then you take that on a it's separate rod. By contact. And then you, and then you go in the same spots where you suctioned with the aspirator. Then you take this fifty percent bottle, and then you just go right where you went to treat the organs and the innards directly with that. So if that spills outside the body, your eyes and your nose are gonna be freaking burning, baby. Oh, I'm sure. It's I'm potent, sure. potent shit. Wow. So okay. then after that, that's basically it. And then you just give them oh. a full bath. That's you basically bathe, you, it. You bathe them down, wash their hair, and like he's baking call a fuck- up. Yeah, it's like he's baking a fucking cake here. Hey, it's basically it. But the autopsy, that's a whole other thing. All right, so you, you mentioned Sarah. Yes. I can only imagine she got tied up in this because of the work that you do, and she is a hairdresser. Correct. She does fantastic work on the top of my knot. So yep. I think, by the way, Sarah, I got to come see you soon. Sweet baby, get together. So how did, does that cre- did it creep her out at first, or how does that work? She's very introverted. So for yes. the years she worked at a salon. She hated it, so she finds more peace and quiet and comfort doing deceased hair as opposed to live people hair. So she prefers... That doesn't doesn't make me feel good having sat in her chair. No opinion, no feedback, no (laughs) pushback. I got to tell you about my three grandkids. Shut up, Maurice. Well, which leads to to a a point is that nine times out of ten, they will... A uh, funeral home will ask you for a photo reference of Correct. how you want this person to right. look in life, the best that you want them to look. Don't give them a picture of Elvis. No, my favorite, my favorite is when, you know, mom who's ninety-two years old and has like five hairs on her head and she's all shriveled up. They give you a picture from nineteen twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. And like, she was can you 35? make me? Can you make her look like this? I'm like, <laughs> what am I, Madame <gasps> Tussaud? I don't have. A- <laughs> I don't have a wig master on, on yeah. the crew. Sorry. Uh, I can't you, poke hairs into her fucking He had dead his head. wig on during the embalming listening to P-Funk. <laughs> we want the funk. But, uh, it, it, but no, I, I, I get that, that, you know, oh, it's easier and you can do the hair. And your point about you're going to bring this picture from when she was 20 and she's 98. You mm-hmm. can't. No. Give me a picture from a year and a year or two ago give me a realistic portrait of what yeah. you remember her last time oh, you I saw love her live they, um, they bring in like these photos of like the filters on like Facebook or Instagram and it's all like pixelated and all different all like shapes. twilight the stars like, on um, I can't even see her hair what the, right uh, all wait I, s- I want it like this oh. the, the you want the dog tongue and the ears <laughs> too <laughs> do you want the dog ears too or? yeah <laughs> I mean, I can do it. It'll be an extra charge, but we can do whatever you want. The big <laughs> Disney eyes are the new. I found ones. a dead dog out back. I can just cut his tongue off and like staple right? it to her bottom lip. I we mean, we can go. get those. We can get those pig ears from Walmart and just <laughs> tack them right on. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh fuck. So in your in your time doing this, um, have there ever been a time where you're just like, man, this is like too much. This is like. I can't deal or is because you, I can't, you kind of answered this question earlier. You said it's a service, not a call, not a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but has there ever been a case where you're just like, 
I can't fucking do this right now. <laughs> yes. Um, there have been a couple times over the last couple years. Um, I had to go to a house and remove an embalm and full service for this 11-year-old boy who had oh. this very, very rare, rare cancer. And he was just so swollen from just his tissue just collecting fluid. He, Probably from steroids for the cancer and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it was just... That that was very difficult. And I I almost broke down at the house because... His father actually helped us put him on the gurney, and he told us that he's like, right before the end, he told him, he's like, he told me, Dad, you got to be strong for Mom and for my siblings. Don't, don't cry for me. I'm like, this kid's 11. Wow. And he said that to his father. And when his father was telling us that, I'm like, yeah, you- I need a minute. Yeah, you got a lump. I have my own children too, so right. I, it's just so it's, a, it's like hit you hit you at home. Mm-hmm. It's, per, it's a personal relation right there. Absolutely. And I was just gonna say and ask: is kids are probably the worst situation you have to deal with, mm-hmm. especially kids that are unexpectedly dead or from a terminal disease. Mm-hmm. It just it sucks. I mean, Bring, it, brings up a great question though, and I sympathize with you completely about having to work on this young man who had this terrible illness and he passed away at the age of 11. Is there a protocol that says you cannot work on somebody you know? No. Okay. I don't think I'd... And that was another question. Would you throw your hands up and go, I can't, I cannot do this. I'm too emotionally invested. Yeah, I could could if I wanted to, then, you know... I mean, burning me is going to be easy. Like, yeah, but I I can also... uh, I'll throw you in the oven and ask first. Thank you. To the other side of that, I can probably say there's probably also a a situation where you would... and, And it could be, anyway. A situation where you're like, no. Nobody is doing this but me. I mean, you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. No, that's so where I, the question this, was leading. The, Good call. This person is that important, and I'm going to set whatever I have aside because I want to be the only person to take care of this for them right. and their family. Exactly. 100%. Um, working in the business, I, I get these thoughts sometimes. Like, I think about if my wife would pass before I would. And if she did, I'm like, who at the funeral home would do the preparations because I don't... Who would you I trust, bro? It, I wouldn't trust You're anybody. Right, right, right. As difficult as it would be, you have, would have to do it out of your own, just your own honor and your own just love and nope. need to make sure that... Absolutely. Everything about this person is perfect. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah... No, absolutely. Where you almost have to just fight it off and your need to do the best job possible sets that aside for a moment because this is more important than my personal feelings mm-hmm. and I'll deal with those later. Later, right. It's tough. I mean, uh, if I were a mortician and my wife was presented in front of me, I'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... 
I would do a disservice if I didn't make her family happy. And because my vision of her is probably totally different from her family's vision. Sure. So, fuck, I don't want to make this wrong. I don't want to do it wrong. I want to have somebody no, do yeah, it. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, like, have somebody else do it 100% in their own, like a third person looking in. Here's a picture. This is what I remember her uh, as. And this is what I want. This is the what the family my wants. Final, my final vision of her should be like this. Right. Right. And, and I don't trust any of you to do it. And I know what I'm seeing in my head. And I can execute That's a great it. point, by the way. But but yeah. but personal feelings could get in the way. And I could like exaggerate a certain point or, 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 or make it like too over the top. You know what right. I mean? I would I would rather somebody with a with an outside perspective do the work than me kind of embellish. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. okay. we we have you know everybody has their certain certain vision of the, their spouse, their partner, whatever whatever it may be. <clears throat> I've been with my wife for twenty some odd years, and my vision of her is probably completely different than she her only dad. gets more beautiful every day it, thank she you. really does no thank she's you. aged and your wife too mike and they have both aged so great it's like they're aging in reverse my wife turned 47 yesterday and people looks ask, the same as the day i met her and people ask her what are you like 35 36 yeah same as what my, i've known mike's wife since high school we all went to school <laughs> together with the exception of the color of her hair i'm not picking on you jennifer i know you listen but she looks You're the beautiful. fucking same she really does. I've only known your wife for a year, so she looks the same as the day I met her, too. That's true. Love you, Sarah. Need a haircut. <coughs> but before we lay this episode to rest... Yeah, I said that. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I'm still curious, because you never really answered the question. I think it was Mike's question, or was it Lynch's? What is the weirdest thing that you've come across doing one of these services? Like, did the guy have a tattoo on his dick that said, welcome to Nebraska? Did, you know, did you find, you know, nipple piercings where they shouldn't be? I mean, have you come across anything weird? Maybe he just hasn't been in the game long enough. Maybe. That's, maybe yeah, the, I'm trying to may, rack my maybe brain. The, maybe the actual frequency of those freak events. Maybe he's got, like, that's why the guys that have been doing it 40 years only have, like, two stories. Yeah. Well, Understood. So... Tying into that, I remember years ago seeing this uh, post on, I want to see, it was the Reddit or Facebook or something like that, where this Puerto Rican guy died on his motorcycle. And they embalmed him and put him on his motorcycle. Yes, yes. And put him in his full leathers. And that was his his wake service, yeah. was him on, in his motorcycle. Saw something similar about the guy who loved to sit in his easy chair. And when they came into the, the, the parlor, there he is, sitting in his easy chair, leg crossed, beer in one hand, cigarette in the other. Well, and yep. to me, that's Same how I... A, a boxer, too. There was one set up. He was like in the ring. He was dead, but they propped him up with his boxing gloves on. Oh, like he Christ. was ready to fight. And to me, that's how I... I what, put a guitar in my fucking hands or in front of a fucking record player. Nope. Not me. If I were to be buried uh, or be one. shown... I want to have a Batman mask on and heart. Sh- the the boxer shirts with hearts on them like Bugs Bunny. There Just was, that. All right. There's one. You know, I didn't really deal with this. Um, it was most of the crematory, but the family brought in 
a massive bag of weed to be cremated with <laughs> their loved one. So my friend Amanda, God bless so he him. gets baked twice. Yeah, <laughs> and and the, well done. and the crematory operators too. They got a secondhand high right there. Oh my lord! Hey, Mike. I know he's almost done, but this is some good shit, man. <laughs> Did you see Fred Flintstone on that motorcycle, man? <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. I uh, yeah. when when my granddad died, I, I I put a letter inside, and the schmuck funeral attendant in Worcester, as they're you know closing it for the final time, we're getting ready to go to the cemetery, starts taking shit out of there. I'm like, you put every fucking piece back. In that casket, we left it there yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Fuck you. That's not supposed to happen. Um, no, it's all supposed two, to yeah, go in with Two it. years ago, a friend of mine passed away just before COVID hit, and his favorite drink was Jim Beam. So I went out and got a little nip of Jim Beam, and I put it in the casket. Not in his hands. He's got the rosary gimmick because that was his religious thing, and you know, hands are folded. I just put it next to his shoulder. I'd be like, hope that's enough for the ride up, my friend. With me, you guys are going to drop 30 racks and Crown Royals if they do a showing before he shoves me into the, the oven ass first. Which, is that okay? Can I go in ass first? No, you have to go in feet first. Ah, oh, shit. That's just the way it is. All right. It's Sorry. protocol. God Sorry. It. Protocol. <laughs> I can just imagine him taking selfies next to the next to the door as the fire's burning. One last one with sweet baby Chris. <laughs> Make your removal will be like... That's all you got? Yeah, Thank really? You. End of shift. <laughs> you ain't swinging shit, bro. <laughs> oh, anyway. Wow. What a fucking story. I'm glad I didn't ask you that a year ago because I had too much fun tonight. And, and it, it wasn't anything personal. I was like, oh, so what do you do? I'm a mortician. Well, fuck you. I don't want to know. You're a mortician? That's great. But if you again, if you ever get a chance to go to Derek's house, many of you won't, but... He's got some of the coolest shit. He got a coffin-shaped bookcase, and he's got mm-hmm. little hearses, matchbox cars, and some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen that I would have never seen had I not known Derek. And each one is funnier than the last. So <laughs> my last question is going to be: all that little memorabilia that you have. Yes. What is your favorite piece, and why? Hmm, that's a good one. I mean. I love to collect the Matchbox, Hot Wheel, Johnny Lightning hearses. Each each every one is different in their own way. Um, I really like the one horse I have. It's from I don't even I haven't seen the movie Cars. Oh, that's the one you showed me yeah, the other night. It's a car car from the movie, and this car's name is Herschel. Oh my! Nice, Lord. yeah, nice. <laughs> but it's a hearse. Yeah. That's the most Chris thing I've ever heard Derek say. So it's, no, it's that's the <laughs> name of it though. But I I have to watch the movie now to see if it's actually a thing. But they made it for the Cars franchise, I guess, and they named it Herschel. Oh, so I got that. Um, <laughs> I have this really funny. cool. <laughs> I have this really cool piece. Um, it's probably over 30 40 years old it's like a marketing piece from this old uh crane and breed casket company that closed down in the early 70s and they started in the early 1900s so it was like the number one casket company ever 
but I have this little brass piece, and it's like three monkeys combined, and it's a speak, see, hear no evil. Yeah. But on the bottom, it says Crane and Breed Casket Company because it's a paperweight. So okay. they use that as like advertising when they would go out and try to sell these caskets. Like, here's a paperweight, please think of us type of thing um when you buried your loved one so <laughs> okay those those are very rare and i was able to find one on on ebay just probably about a year i haven't ago. said it this entire episode the penis fish is out there he is and herm didn't die so yeah who, who tried to die earlier you did you yes. were coughing your face off yes that's one of the uh, famous bits people love are you gonna die by the way please don't die please don't die that's gonna be our first t-shirt <laughs> If you have questions for Derek, and I will make sure, Herm, myself, Lynch, will make sure to get these questions to him. Junction Dysfunction Show at gmail.com. Make sure in the subject bar you put questions for The Undertaker. And we will get those questions to him. Derek, as weird and as creepy as this was, this was fun. And yes, it was my idea, but I didn't realize we were going that deep, like elbow deep into the anus. This is good. Literally. Speaking of which, you ever gone elbow deep into an anus? No, just wrist deep. You're not, you're not, ooh. Was she No, hot? I've been elbowed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. All right. You got, anything else? you got anything else, Herm? No, man. Lynch? Um, I just wanted to give one quick shout out. This is a personal thing. Okay. Um, my dad's childhood friend, George Barnes, who had been suffering from cancer for the last several years, passed away. Uh, earlier this evening, uh, rest in peace, George. Rest in peace. Mm. Um, you were a good dude, and we connected about right around the time my dad died. And you were—I didn't realize how close you and my dad were. And God bless you, love you, and thanks for all the laughs we had in the last couple of years. There you go. Absolutely, rest in peace, George. I can hear the tribal drums in the background. We are gonna bid you a fond farewell next week, hopefully. If one musician doesn't get us, the other one will. We're building a band next week. I can't tell you which two musicians. You already know one, but the other one is a surprise. Nickelback. Yeah, Chad Kroger's <laughs> coming on the show, and I'm quitting. For Herm, for Lynch, and for Derek the Undertaker. Derek, thank you again. Thank and you. We'll see you guys next week right here on Dysfunction Junction. Yo! Sleep, sleep, sleep.